All right, it's that time of the year. The NFL owners have gotten together. They've determined what they're going to do with the new rules and how they're going to mess with the Lions next year. And we want to get to the bottom of it and understand how it's going to work and what they're going to do. We've brought along former VP of officiating, Dean Blandino, to join us and break down what's going on, what's happening, and get to it. Check out this intro. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. All right, here we are with former VP of officiating of the NFL and this uber guru of everything XFL officiating, Dean Landino. Dean, how are you doing, man? Great to have you back with us. I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while, so always great to catch up and uh, see what's happening in the Detroit Lions podcast world. It's always good to get back with you. It has been. It has been far too long, but I'm glad we can we can hook back up. Couple things we have to do the, you know the the identity verification. So we have a couple questions we'll go through first. The Dallas flag uh, a couple years ago should have been picked up. Absolutely should have been picked up. Uh, Des, did he catch that ball? Oh, Des did not catch the ball. Des, Des didn't catch it, and we should have kept the flag down. Of course. Okay. Okay. I was, I was, I was, I was a little, a little shaky there for a minute. And then, last but not least, are you still a Lions fan and a huge Verner's drinker? Of course, I'm a big, big time Lions fan. I just got my. I usually get a yearly supply of Verner's sent in, so I'm anxiously awaiting for that so I can have it for the entire season. Sweet, sweet. All right, let's get into it. Um. The owners of eating uh, just finished up for the NFL, and um, I'd like if you could first just kind of in, a, in broad strokes walk me through what these meetings are like. Uh, maybe a time or two from your time with uh, as VP of officiating with the NFL. What what can the doors close? The media's not there. What kind of happens in the room as they talk through these things? It's interesting because it is it is a, a league meeting and a business meeting, and they go through every facet of the of the business, but. There's a lot of social interaction as well because everybody's staying in this same resort, hotel, wherever it may be. And so you could be walking, you know, you'd be walking through the lobby and you, you know, there's there's Bill Belichick and, and there's Mike Tomlin and there's so so there's a lot of that 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 interaction. And uh, and the meetings usually kick off with a presentation. There's usually a, a guest speaker, some some and we're talking about think about the NFL, right? Who's right. gonna be a a guest speaker. It's not. It's it's going to be somebody that is is kind of like in a in a very significant role, whether it's in business, sports, and so you have someone someone like that that comes in, and uh, and then there's a presentation as to what are the what are the goals for the season? What are some of the the core values that the league is looking looking at for for the upcoming season? To look back, you know, they honor the 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 Super Bowl champion and the and and. And whether it's you know the head coach, the owner, those types of things, and uh, and so and then once the doors really close, it's there's sessions, right? There's schedules. There's a football operations schedule where typically those are head coaches, GMs, the football people. They're in meetings throughout the day. They're getting a competition committee report. They're getting the football operations report. All those things. Then there's a then there's a big session where where the the rules proposals are voted on, the bylaws, the resolutions, and that's a privilege session. So it's 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 two to three two to three people per club, and and they'll go through. There's presentations as to okay, this rule here's the 
here's the details, and then they vote and they go they go around the room, and so it's an it's a really interesting and fascinating. My first one was just so just surreal to be around it and and kind of be see the inner workings of the NFL. Is there? Do you feel like there's there's politics going between the teams as they propose some of these things, or is it Absolutely. is there's a lot of gamesmanship happening, right? It's not just there's no politics. There's 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 meetings uh, where the competition committee will get together with the commissioner and they'll talk about rules change proposals and and hey, we don't this one is kind of iffy. We're not sure if we're going to get the votes and and then okay, so they'll even assign say okay, you're going to talk to you're going to talk to this group of clubs and see where they're at on it. What are their concerns? What are their issues? And so there's a lot of that kind of backroom dealing type going on and it's just fascinating when you're when you're able to be a part of it and just see see all of that stuff and also that's just the cool stuff of getting to see the coaches kind of you know get 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 a little less professional and they kind of let their hair down and they're at the bar or they're doing and it's just kind of cool sure sure um anybody anybody kind of out of character at any of we, you don't have to give any names or anything but it is has there been any coaches that have been just out completely different as they kind of let it loose a little bit than you may have expected or than that folks would otherwise anticipate. Yeah, I guess the, you know, most coaches, they've got their, they've got their press conference persona, which, which, you know, and for us as Lions fans, our guy, right, Dan Campbell, that's who he is, right? It's whether he's up in the press conference or he's, or he's at the practice field or wherever, um, and, but you, you kind of, you, you just see them, it's a little more relaxed atmosphere. Um, and I think that's where you get to see people in a, in a different light. And I think that's always been the cool thing of, you know, just going to the hotel bar and, and you just sit and see a group of people that you're used to, especially for me and officiating our conversations during the season aren't always very positive Sure. in, in this environment where the emotion of the season is over and and time has passed. You get to you get to know people on a personal level, which is which is always great. I found that was always a helpful for me because a lot of times when you're dealing with people in that emotional environment, if you have that personal relationship, you can you can get to a better place from a communication standpoint. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask you as they as they go through and there's a little gamesmanship as they're working through the rules. I'm certain the NFL has some things that are absolutely no-go topics, things they won't consider. There's, they're not going to stop a game for, for something, you know, silly. Uh, they don't want to interrupt the game. But what, what are some of the kind of rule sets? What are some of the things they put in place in which they say, no, we're absolutely not going to consider this type of a rule or, or, or uh, adding these kind of changes to the game? Yeah, it's a great question. They're, they're, I think the league has gotten away from we're going to do things this way because we've always done it. I think they've done a really good job in terms of innovation. And when you look at rules changes, they, they, there's three or four things that they consider, right? Right. Player safety is number one. That That's always important. Um, the competitive equity, the integrity of the rules and making sure that the games are, are decided fairly. And then, and then the one that kind of, I think gets lost sometimes is if you're going to pass a new rule, can the officials officiate it consistently? And that that's the other thing. So I don't think there's there's any no goes where absolutely not we wouldn't at least have the conversation, but they they do stick to those kind of guiding principles when they think about rules changes. And, and again, I know a couple of things, right? They're they're really focusing on keeping the game 
um, as close to a three-hour window as possible, you know, less interruptions, making it more, more especially the at-home or, or away from the stadium environment, that, that experience is really, really good. I don't think it's ever been better. Right. But in the stadium, right, when you have to, when you have to lead to the stadium and deal with parking and deal with crowds and everything else, really trying to make that experience as, as, as good as possible for our fans that go to games. And that means less interruptions. That means more engagement, more things going on during the game that fans can do. So I think those are always the things that, that the league is looking at. And uh, they've done a, they've done a good job. It's the most popular sports league, at least in, in North America. And, uh, and that's not, that's not by accident. Yeah. No. And, and starting to catch on around the world. I mean, We'll call it soccer because that's what it should be called. But I mean, they they do pretty good with that with the with the viewership. But the NFL is definitely you know if if they got to that kind of span of teams worldwide, they could definitely compete. It's just such a great game. It's 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 just infectious. Let me ask you about um, you know we talk about the integrity of the game and what they're after, but there's also a little bit of subjectivity to the game, and it seems they want to build that in um, things like you know where the ball is spotted. We, we know, you know, Zebra Tech, we've talked to them. There's that chip in the ball. They know exactly where that goes within millimeters. First first down measurements, play clock management. There's ways they could really tighten up the the way these are handled. Even PI is a reviewable item that was like, no, no, we want to keep that subjective. We don't even, or maybe it's we don't want to highlight the subjectivity through the the <laughs> review process. But they're, they're, it seems like they want to keep some level of subjectivity to the game. Is that really something that they try to eliminate Is in when they talk about these things? Or do they recognize that, you know, some level of this is helpful for that water cooler talk and the press clippings and, and, and keeping it top of mind on Monday after the, the weekend's games? There's no question that that human element is a big part of it. And it's why we love sports. It's why we we continue to watch and we talk and we debate. And look, no, the league, the league never will admit or come out and say we we like officiating controversies that's not certainly as head of the former head of officials i didn't like it but it does drive engagement it does drive that conversation and some of that subjectivity right that's what people love hey if i could sit here we can debate whether whether dennis bryant caught it or we could debate whether that should have been a flag in that in that playoff game that you know i won't mention uh you know i don't want to bring up bad bad memories for us lions fans it's that's part of the the lore and the and and the kind of the tradition of the game. Now, look, technology continues to drive us forward in terms of twenty years ago, right? We didn't have chips in the ball. We didn't have even an opportunity to do the things that we can today. So, as the technology technology continues to evolve, I think the league is going to continue to look at ways because the goal is, especially as we think about with legalized sports betting and everything else. Got to, they have to ensure that the games are are decided fairly and without controversy, without that question. Um, and I think that's where the technology is going to continue to uh, to to seep into the game. I, I do think you're always going to have that human element. I think that's important. But again, technology will continue to to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've often wondered when we'll get to that that Jetsons football, or if you remember back in the day, that was that was the one that. We were promised that in flying cars, and I, I'll take the flying cars. I'm not sure about that that type of game. <laughs> let me, yeah, exactly. Let's let's talk about the technology piece because you are an absolute superstar with what you've done with officiating in the XFL. It's been amazing seeing you up in the booth, walk through the reviews. Um, 
the, the, the different rule sets you've put in place. I, I think the first question I want to ask is, how do you do this? Where do you, is this stuff you've been rolling around your head and Goodell's just grunting around and not letting anybody do anything? Or, I mean, where do all these things come from? How do, how do you, how do you make such significant and effective changes to the sport that adds so much like for the fan experience and, and they, they yeah. just won't think of them in the NFL? Well, it's, it's a unique experience. Now we had a really good foundation of rules in 2020 with the XFL. And, and so we, we didn't feel like we had to tweak it so much, but I think when you look at the history of the NFL, if the NFL could just wipe everything out and take a blank slate and say, okay, we're, we're creating the game right now from scratch, I think the game would look different. I think there'd be different things, but you have 100 plus years of those types of things and the game has evolved and players have evolved and everything has evolved over that time. And so with the XFL, we just had an opportunity to say, hey, we're starting from scratch. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk to our fans. We're going to talk to coaches. We're going to talk to players. And we're going to say, what do they like about football? What do they not like about football, about watching it, about experience it, those types of things. And the NFL really, they can do that. They can get feedback from fans, but they can't just wipe out the rule book and start over where we were able to start from scratch. And I think that's that's kind of... That was such a cool part of being, you know, being with the XFL is being able to do things like that, adding, you know, the 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 kickoff, which is so unique, which is different, and and adding other things, the 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 transparency that we're able to do and be able to see the replay process and hear it, and listen to the officials. Um, those are things that I'm sure the NFL uh, could do, but I don't know if they're ready to do that right right now. Oh, that's some of my wish. I mean. Do you still have Goodell's number? Could you give him a ring and say every team gets a, a one challenge on any call? I mean, I think all the way back to the Houston game when when Schwartz threw the well, you remember the the, the flag that he shouldn't have thrown. It would have yeah. taken care of so many problems. This is this is one of my favorite rules from the XFL. I, I really, really wish that they could have pulled that into the NFL this year. Yeah, and there were you know they like we were talking about the league meeting and they just voted on the proposals and and there were club proposals that were looking to expand the list of reviewable plays to include some of those subjective calls. They didn't pass. Uh, so I don't know if the if the 2019 DPI experiment still is lingering and maybe we need to continue to move away from that. But I do think you're gonna see you're gonna see at some point in the near future those types of calls or at least having something in place where you can correct a, an obvious mistake, right? And it's not officials do a great job. And so, the majority of the calls are correct. Some calls are debatable, and I don't, I don't think those are the ones you want to review because we're just, you know, we're just delaying the game further on a call that could be fifty-fifty. But if it's clear that it's incorrect, then then maybe you know, let's put some things in place to 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 make it correct. Sure, sure. All right. One last question before we dive into the rules: If you could put one word, one rule into the NFL rule book today and make it gospel. From this point forward, what would what would you do to to prove? What would your stamp on the NFL be? I, you know what, I really there. There's little rules. There's little things that I would do. There's a bunch of those things, but but those are not. I mean, those aren't as impactful. There's things that that happen once in a while, but but for me, I really think that the you know, giving what we did in the XFL, what the USFL is doing with giving the teams a, a, an alternative to the onside kick. I think that's one that I would love, love to see in the NFL. Give the teams, and they did, the Eagles did propose it, 
it was tabled, um, so they want to discuss it more. They'll they may end up voting for it again in, in the May meeting. Um, but I really like that the onsite kick last year. It was less than four percent on an expected onsite kick. Less than four percent of those were successful. That is uh, a historically low number. And uh, and when you don't have onsite kicks, this when they're not successful, you have a hard time coming back from multiple scores and that leads to blowouts at least to games that aren't aren't fun to watch so i would love for the nfl to really consider that option that that you know they 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 decided to propose a fourth and 20 from the 20 yard line um but uh, that's where i would go and give the team an option you know limited to the fourth quarter or a limited number of times per game but uh but i think that's why i would yeah, I think they were they were one like a twelve percent success rate on those onside. Some, if I remember right, from the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, right around thirteen percent. Yeah. And as an avid Lions fan, you know that Dan Campbell would be he would be using that all day long at twelve percent. Forget it. He'd be he'd be pushing that to twenty five. <laughs> sure. All right, let's get into some of these rules. Go through a couple of them. Um, I'm going to leave out the rule section and article numbers because most fans, you know, the the rule book is like a coffee table book. You know, rather than something that they're there, that it's well, well worn. So um, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, wanted the the number zero jersey number. And, and while it's like, OK, fine, that's cool. I want to more than that, talk about historically the numbers and the and the why the numbers were in the in, in a certain place. For me, it was so much easier on the field, especially because it's hard to know every player on 32 teams when you especially midseason when players are subbing in and kind of a thing. I know this guy's a linebacker. I don't know who he is when he's 56, right? But I can figure it out pretty quick. Now, I have no I have no idea with a lot of these numbers anymore. And it gets to be like, what's this? Why is a linebacker, you know, covering somebody? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in all kinds of confusion while I'm watching. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. It goes back to, right, football way, way back when, right, they played, they played, both it was it wasn't platoon football, right? It wasn't you played just offense, you you, you played just defense, you played right. right. They played both ways, right? In in so it's funny because the numbering system back then was less restricted, and then it went to then it went to okay, offense, defense, and the league put in especially for the eligibles and the ineligible numbers right. to make sure that the defense could quickly recognize that player can catch a pass, that player can't. And on defense, it was very similar in terms of the, that's how you were assigned. You were a linebacker, you know, you were 50 to 59 or you were 90 to 99 and those types of things. And and I think I think that the genesis behind this change was just giving the teams another number to use because there are certain teams, the Steelers, the Giants come to mind. They have they have a lot of retired numbers, so right, it's, it, right. it becomes harder. Um, but you still have, right, it's a, what, 50... 52, 53 man roster or, or um, at, you know, active roster. And if you've got 99 numbers, I think we, we should be able to figure it out. But we're, you know, the thing is, it's it does as a fan growing up, it really changes the way you look at the game. Because when I see like a number six playing linebacker, it's just like, what? Like what? That just doesn't, doesn't feel, it feels like college football, right? Yeah. And that's the difference. Right, their college and NFL, there should be some clear differences, um, and one of those was the numbering system, but that's kind of gone away. Yeah, let me go into the the play clock, adjusting that after the instant replay reversal, uh, similar to they do in other stoppages. Now, 
I, this one I'm not as familiar with. Players would have to signal back to the officials to request more time. Historically, that wasn't an automatic thing. Help me, help me, kind of work. Yeah, this. this. I think this. This there were a couple of situations where, depending on a replay review, that if you reset the play clock to 25 seconds, there might be a, an advantage gained by by one one team. And so this was trying to clear that up. And 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 I don't think this is going to be as impactful. It's it's teams, you know. Quarterbacks are always asking for a reset, you know, and typically if there's if there's a delay in getting the ball down for the next snap and it's caused by the officials or caused by something ex- extraordinary, then you'll see the referee and they go, this is the signal, right? And they'll, they'll pump it back up and you'll see that from time to time. Typically that happens outside two minutes when the clock is not critical, especially if the game clock is running. So I think that's this is one where it's just going to clean up some of the some of the 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 inequity on a replay review when you make a change, and especially in the last two minutes. Sure, um, replay official can automatically review a close play on a failed fourth down attempt. This is this is I, I really like this. Uh, save a team a challenge. Uh, it, it could speed up the game because the it, they can review it immediately. But I, the word could there gives me that little bit of of you know you know as a Lions fan right well they could review it and you know there's going to be the game where they do and then the, in, in what it appears an identical circumstance for the Lions on the other side they don't and they have to burn a challenge it, 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 that, what 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 are we doing here why why do we have could I love <laughs> I love how you're already in midseason form with the Lions they're already getting screwed it's, and it's not even April yet I love it so. The this one this one just makes that turnover on downs an automatic review, right? So now we have automatic reviews outside two minutes, scoring plays, turnovers, those types of things. So this just adds a turnover on downs to that list. So now, like you said, the coach doesn't have to use the challenge. It would be an automatic review. But this does open up, you know, if you're not thinking and you have a a, you know, and I love him to death, and but if you have a Jim Schwartz moment where you throw the flag when you're not supposed to. That can be very, as we know, that can be very, very impactful. So it's one where the coach has to has to keep the flag in the pocket and let replay do do it. And uh, and so this just adds that to that list of automatic review. Yeah, I love Schwartz, but my arteries grew a few rings that day. <laughs> um, let's talk about the launch, the launch piece, the personal foul on that. If a player leaves one or both feet to make a tackle. Um, I feel like this could be a little bit. There's going to be points when when this can be a little bit um, not as clear, right? Uh, a lot of times with like targeting, if you think of it in college, they spend a lot of time. Oh, was it targeting? Was it was it not? The leaving your feet. Sometimes your feet come up as a part of the tackle. Sometimes you get hit. I mean, there's. I, I feel like this can open up a little bit of a can of worms. And and while I completely respect the idea that the player safety side. Um, do you think the competition committee kind of weighed some of those thoughts? This one, this one, I don't think. Yeah, this one, I don't think is going to have as big an impact on the field and how it's officiated. I think when you think about a launch, a lot of those hits end up being fouls because it's forcible contact to the head, neck area. You know, a defenseless receiver, those types of things. So whether the defender technically launched or not is really not a factor in the flag being thrown. Um, I do think the league was looking at maybe putting a little more teeth into it because on the appeal process for a fine, I know there were some some fines that got rescinded because of the technicality of well, I didn't, my foot was still on the ground, so I wasn't launching. 
So I think that's where I the league was was looking for just some more teeth in terms of keeping some of these fines when when the player does. You know, you didn't want a player to get away with something that was illegal based on a technicality. Yeah. End up, and I don't think this is going to have a big impact on how the game is officiated or even played on the field. Um, with uh, you know, and again, it's player safety. Sometimes we make changes for player safety's sake, but they don't they don't necessarily have as big an impact as we think they may. Sure. I mean, I think back to one of the times we talked previously about the the athleticism of the defensive players versus the offensive players and how that balance was was really shifting in favor of the defensive player. And I, I, I look today the way they've structured the rules and you have an edge coming in and you can't land on the quarterback. You can't get him high. You can't hit him low. I mean, it gets you, you have this kind of little wind. It's almost like a strike zone, right? And now with the, the, the feet leaving the ground or the launch, right, this, this adds another just another piece that I can see causing, you know, some confusion or some frustration for people. Yeah, it becomes harder and harder to play defense. It, it really does. But they, the, the, the players are incredible. The coaches are incredible. They adjust. Every time they complain about a rule, they end up adjusting. We yeah. make it work. Yeah. All right. Um, this is an interesting one. Handing the, the, the football forward is a penalty. Um, I think about so many of the plays where Amon Ra's in motion and – you just hand him the ball, right? So now we have to do the little, the little pop, the little pop pass, or I mean, what's so what's no, yeah. Here? So it's interesting. That's so handing the ball forward um, is illegal behind the line of scrimmage if you hand it forward to an ineligible player. So, so if it's if it's a receiver, you can hand it forward. So that doesn't change that. And and so the rule itself doesn't change. You you can't if you're beyond the line of scrimmage, you can't hand the ball hand the ball forward to any teammate. Behind the line, you can't hand it forward to an ineligible like a seventy two, right? An offensive yeah. line. Unless all this all this does is just it yeah, it just makes the foul, the penalty consistent with with an illegal forward pass. So so it would just be a loss of down plus five yards. Whereas previously they didn't include the loss of down. Unless it's Panay Sewell, because he's always eligible. That's that's the, one of the other rules. Yeah, like 100%. If he reports is eligible, then he can get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he absolutely can get it. Did you see that catch this year from him? The, oh, yeah. The, the, oh, my. That was incredible. Uh, that, was, that was one of my favorite moments of the year. He's, he's a cool cat. All right. Uh, making the penalty the, for illegal punts, drop kicks, or place kicks. This is an interesting one. Am I reading this right? If I have an illegal punt of some sort, I'm losing the down and, and turning it over on the spot? Or what does this mean? Yeah, so this, again, this makes it consistent, the penalty enforcement consistent with, let's say, an illegal forward pass. So it changes it. It's a loss of down and a five-yard penalty. So, And this doesn't happen very often. Some of these changes, they're, they're like kind of cleanups on hypotheticals. But if the punter, you know, let's say, let's say the punter, it gets, he muffs the snap and now he's trying to take off and run toward the line of scrimmage and realizes, okay, I'm not going to make a first down. I'm going to try to kick it. If he's beyond the line, this makes the penalty sim- the same as if a quarterback had done the same thing and crossed the line and, th- and then throw the ball. So it would be, it would be a loss of down five yards. So, so you wouldn't, you're always punting on fourth down, you know, 99% of the time. So you're going to then turn it over to the, uh, to the defensive team. I can't wait to see that because it's going to be a Lions game. You know, like you said, I'm mid-season form, but these are the exact yeah, kind of rules, rules that pop up in our games. That in what? Nobody thinks about them. They're just like throwaways, and then there they are. 
point of emphasis this year. <laughs> All right. Um, this is, I love this one. And, and, and this one I wasn't aware of. Uh, the offensive penalty, um, not allowing the, the, on, uh, the offense to benefit, or uh, yeah, the offense to benefit from an extra play at the end of the half. Yeah. And this one is, this one typically, if there is an offensive, if there is an offensive foul on the last play of the half, like holding, then the half doesn't extend. This one it would be if there's fouls by both teams. And there was there was a situation where where if the defense fouled the half was not extended, but if you take that defensive foul and now you add an offensive foul, it would extend. And I think that was where okay the team is benefiting from committing a foul. So this again was a hypothetical. It had happened. Uh, at least I can't remember it happening. But they wanted to kind of close that loophole and not allow a team to benefit from from a foul in that situation. Awesome. See, this so is this, the this one. This one I could see the Lions. This is one I could see it happening to the Lions. And and had it happened last year, they would have gotten another snap. And this year, they're not going to get it. Now, the one thing I can say, and I think as a Lions fan, you'll agree, um, ending the season, ending Aaron Rodgers' time likely in Green Bay with an interception yeah. is probably one of the, the the best, especially as you have a, a team that really appears to be ascending like the Lions are, to be able to kind of shut down the footing, the, the passing of the torch sort of a moment. Uh, we'll move into the, uh, the, the items that didn't quite make it. Um, Rams had a good one, and I really am, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. The roughing the passer penalties uh, being not being subject to replay assist. Are, it's been voted down so that they're not. Talk about this. Why would this be something they didn't want to have available for replay assist? Goes back to what we talked about earlier, and, and and whether it's 2019 with defensive pass interference, it's the subjectivity of that call. I don't think the competition committee is in favor of adding those to replay. I think there is something to be said for hits on defenseless players, and there is there is some there are objective parts of that call that you could look at. Look, if we. If they call a head to the head neck area of the passer and the contact isn't to the head neck, I think we and it's obvious then that that's something we should be able to to determine and and correct. And I think that's something the league will continue to look at. Um, just not not there yet. And I still I honestly still think we are feeling the after effects of past interference review in 2019 and how it it did not work. And and I think. And I don't think it didn't work because it can't work. I just don't think it worked because they didn't never got to a really consistent standard and uh, and the process I don't think was was where it needed to be. So I think it can I think we'll see we'll see more of this. And honestly, all it takes is one play in a playoff game, a championship game, and the whole thing turns around. And you yeah. get you get a bunch of you get a bunch of owners that now are for it. And uh, and so you hope that that's not the case because you never like to change a rule for one play. But I think this is something that we'll see at some point. Well, the Lions are going to be in the playoffs this year, so the opportunity will be there. Uh, the last one I want to talk about <laughs> is the um, the one the Lions had that was voted down the opportunity to provide a a third challenge. And yeah. and this the the whole idea of a third challenge. I'm interested in it, but I go to the XFL again. That challenge flag for anything that is for me. The ideal, one of the most the smartest new rules that I've seen. I mean, well, I can't say that because the replay stuff that you do and the transparency of that is is over the over the moon, over the top. It's excellent. But this whole idea of a, of a challenge on anything, I, I just really like that because it's one time. 
and it's once in the game. It's not going to slow the play, and you can move on, and it gives a real opportunity. And the officials know they they know P, like when PI was up, there was the for 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 review. There was there was a gestalt right. There was a there was a a mindset with the NFL of how that's going to be treated. Period. I mean, it it, it was it felt pretty clear that it was never going to be overturned. Um, <laughs> with this, I like. Yeah, and no, I admit and, that was that was the issue with it, and and I think, you know, uh, the Lions' proposal. This is like I see both sides of it. They that why do I you know I challenged something early in the game where the officials made a mistake, and then I I challenged something later where it's close and it's such a big play and I lose it. And now I'm done. Why should I lose my challenge when you made the mistake? So I get that. I think I think keeping it limited is always important because you don't want a bunch of stoppages. And the reality is with everything that has been added in terms of an automatic review, now we have turnover on downs. Sure. There's there's less opportunities for the coach to even have to challenge. No team has ever won three challenges in one game. It's never happened in the history of replay. They've used their third challenge. They've never won it. So I don't think this is a real problem. But again, I do think using one challenge for anything that that limited like we've done with the xfl i think there's something to be said for that and i think coaches would would use it they would use it um in a in a kind of a breaking case of emergency situation it's not one you're gonna and i talk to the xfl coaches all the time and they understand you're not going to use it in the first quarter with 12 minutes to go right this, you've got to save that for something critical because you only get one, and uh, and that's and and I think it it helps add a layer where at least we've given ourselves an opportunity to correct something that might impact the game. Well, Dean, I appreciate it, and as always, you're you're the best. Love having you on. What do you have coming up? I mean, we have the rest of the XFL season, right? Yeah, the XFL season. We're going into week seven, um, so we've got four more regular season weeks. Our championship game is going to be in San Antonio on May thirteenth excited about that we're going to get going here with college spring games and scrimmages and everything else and and then before you know it august is going to roll around we're going to be talking about training camp and nfl games right around the corner so it's just a lot of football and uh and that's that's a good thing well thanks for joining us find some time to get your toes in the sand out there enjoy yourself and thanks for everything Dean. doing great work and uh love what you're doing with the xfl and uh, I, I just have to replay the hashtag hire Blandino. We need you back, man. We need some of this this innovation back and and, and to bring it to the N- the NFL. And I don't know about that. We'll we'll stay in the spring. Might take a couple of years. You got it. Yeah, exactly. But always good to talk to you. All right, thanks, brother. We'll talk to you. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes! You've had enough of that shit.